welcome, welcome to the Heads Together podcast. I'm your host, Joel Mokes, and this week, <laughs> I'm very, very excited about this. You'll have heard me say that before. It'll probably mean nothing to you anymore because I get overexcited. But this week's guest, Geeta Sidhu-Rob, is freaking phenomenal. She is phenomenal and I challenge you at the end of this episode to disagree with me. You are going to bloody love her. Gita is, she's a mother. She's an author. She's an absolutely inspirational public speaker. She's the founder of Nosh Detox. She has had lots of appearances uh, in print, on radio and on TV. So she is really an expert on natural health and lifestyle solutions. But she's also, over the last few years, developed an incredible reputation as a transformational coach. She coaches women in leadership. She has helped over 20,000 successful professional women and some men. And she works with some big, big names. So she's worked with Warner Music, Morgan Stanley, lots of big names. And she's won some incredible awards. She actually is, get this, she's actually taken home the Entrepreneur and Businesswoman of the Year Award five times. Yes. She now works with really inspirational women around the world. She's also a really passionate activist. She supports three charities. She actually gives up a third of her time for free to the causes that matter to her. So she's the chair of the Women's Development Board of the Microloan Foundation. And also she's the chair of the Board of Trustees for the Montessori Group in the UK. Gita is a pretty phenomenal force to be reckoned with. And I am so grateful to her for coming onto the podcast because I think in this interview, you're going to really understand that you know, it doesn't matter what you've achieved already. When you start up-leveling, whoever you are, it's scary because Gita is right now on the edge of launching something huge. And I mean huge. And she very generously shares about that with us in this episode. And I really cannot wait for you to hear all about this because this one, this episode is one that you are going to want to take action on at the end. So listen in, listen and learn from Gita, and then take action, have a look at the show notes, find out how you can support the work that Gita is going to be doing moving forward. This is big. Okay, let's dive in. Welcome, welcome to the Heads Together podcast. I'm Jill Mokes and I am obsessed with cutting through the noise when it comes to growing your business. Each week via intimate coaching conversations and inspirational stories, I share what it really takes to get the results you want in a way that feels right to you. I am all about attracting higher ticket opportunities, building authentic relationships, and creating the abundant, full-fat version of your dream business. 
I mean, how many of us have beavered away creating a light version of what we really want? The thing is, I honestly believe when you're outstanding at what you do, there is no limit to what you can achieve. So, are you ready to put our heads together and make it happen? Let's go. Gita, thank you so much for joining me today. How I'm are you? Good. Thank you very much for having me. I'm really been looking forward to it. I'm very excited for this conversation. I would love if you are okay with that to kick off by you explaining for our listeners a little bit about you and your journey to where you are right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I would summarize it massive risks, and thank God it worked. And that's kind of there's the sentence. I think that's perfect. That will do. <laughs> that will work. I'll, I'll take that one. <laughs> it's really interesting because I, I changed how my Instagram worked about two and a half months ago, and I started talking about. I was really sad to be very genuine about who I am, and I'm a really private person, so I don't talk. I, I, I'll do my bit on stage and come off and then I never talk about it again. And actually, I was like, that's really not going to work anymore. So I changed. And and it's a really funny place to be because I I opened myself up. And I really struggle with it. I have to say, it's not something I enjoy. And I'm having to really get my head around it. Um, But Mm -hmm. it's so wildly successful. It's clearly the right thing to do, which is worse. Because at least if it was the wrong thing to do, I'd go hide back under my duvet because I quite like my duvet. It's like, brilliant. That <laughs> hasn't worked. I should go back to posting my inspirational quotes. <laughs> and food or some shit. I grew up in Malawi, very wealthy Indian family, uh, which came with, I would say, I had options, doctor, lawyer, accountant, marriage or death. Chose lawyer. Death was incoming. Marriage I'm really bad at. So um, I came from there and and I did become a lawyer. I did hated it, did it for a hot minute. And then my life was really changed by having my children one way or another. My first child was very allergic to an injection he was given and ended up becoming anaphylactic and he got eczema and asthma. And he actually uh, died. Um, He was the one who was helping me with the mic two minutes ago. He died in my arms and had to be resuscitated and spent time in intensive care. The thing with these things is that they're just, they just change you forever. They change your your level of pain. They change the level of actually bullshit you're willing to take they change the level of what you think is a crisis and what isn't you know they really change you on very core cellular levels and I was in my 20s so I was very very young and it was a really traumatic sort of two to three years uh, of will he live what he live and it was really horrendous um and he slowly sort of came out of that but I was told there was no cure and I'm like I don't really like the word no just doesn't do very much for me and I was like that's rubbish there must be some yeah that's not unacceptable there must be some cure what do you mean and so I found a cure I did cure my son of his asthma I did cure him of his eczema he was like covered in it was horrendous um you'd have to kiss him on his palms of his hand and the palms of his feet and here because there wasn't any other area that wasn't covered so it was really awful and you're doing it without any level of support and my mother-in-law thought that my it was my family and that's why you, you stupid stuff that that's why he had eczema you know all this stuff and so I started talking to other mothers and saying you know here's here's what my problem was here's I want you to know you're not alone I wrote a book about you know all this stuff and then I went down the road and I ended up marrying again uh, because I wanted my son to have you know siblings and I sort of met a nice normalish guy and 
married him and it, and it all went very badly wrong within minutes actually of marriage and turned to a really violent marriage um, in which we both worked together and built this enormous business and because we were still in our early 30s I'd come from a lot of money and I think it does really help you because you kind of don't think you've got to go and spend it and he hadn't and so we ended up in a place where he kind of just was like whoa I'm young rich and in London and we had uh, seven cars you know nobody needs seven cars and we had an aeroplane we had a home in Monaco and we had all kinds of the trappings of this stuff and yet the marriage got I had two children here consciously because I was like and it was just appalling I I, I just have to hide in in the children's bathroom at night to to escape him when he came home drunk and you know he'd go around the house hunting for me and it was just awful and so I had to just stay hidden long enough for him to pass out And then in the morning, he was okay again. And so, you know, I lived like that for a while, actually. And then one day, my son said to me, why are we still here? He's going to hurt us. Why are we And I thought... That was the one voice you couldn't ignore. Oh, and it makes me feel quite ill thinking about it. So that was when we kind of got up and walked out. And I was like, you know, send me my money type thing, because I'd built this business with him. Of course, he didn't. (laughs) He didn't send the money. He cleared out his bank accounts, our bank accounts, rather. I got court orders and it just, it was a real learning in what bankers will do for clients that are friends of theirs. Yeah. So I ended up with no money. My family was, my mother was very unhappy because why did you leave this extremely wealthy marriage and, you know, grin and bear it and get on with it. And I was like, Mm. and we were homeless really. And we were homeless and we had 14 pounds a day to live off for about 30 days. And no, everything was 18 days. Mm. And then we were screwed. And so a girlfriend gave me somewhere to live. And she gave me this room and the space and I kind of had my cushions on the floor, sofa cushions on the floor and the kids were in the bed and the baby was on the floor next to me. No, that's not true. She was in the the room next door. It had a bunch of computers. Luckily, we didn't know anything about radiation in those terms. And so she slept on the floor there because she couldn't (laughs) fall off. We were there for six months. I'm very grateful and I'm always grateful for her. And her husband was deeply unhappy about having these random people turn up with three kids in their life. And I rebuilt from there on. And my only goal, my flag in the sand, there were two flags, one, my flag in the ground, two of them. One was that this is never happening to me again, whatever I have to do to never be in this yep. place. And the second flag in the ground was that my kids were not going to leave their private school. I look back now and I wondered why that was a flag, but I actually, what helped me was my ex one day saying to me when I couldn't work, I had to pay the school fees. I was like, come on, just give me the money to pay the school fees. And he went, if you just come back to me, I could make this all go away. Hmm. I remember thinking a lot of very unmentionable things that we don't want to say in your podcast along the lines of... Well, everyone wants to hear them now, but anyway. (laughs) Anatomically incorrect things that he could do with various parts of him. And that kind of made me dig in and think, no, Mm. my success is not dependent on you and on any man. And so it led me to a place where I also wouldn't remarry because, you know, I was like, no, that's just not how this is going to work. I'm going to do it by me, for me. Uh, that was the next oh, 25 years, I think, kind of in a nutshell. So I set up different... Was rebuilding from that place. Yeah, but having to rebuild me, having to rebuild the kids, having to pay to scrabble to leave them in school. Because, you know, schools in this country are not cheap. And I had three of them. And I don't know Absolutely. how I did it, actually. I look back now and I don't... 
honestly, I must just be the most bloody minded individual in history. Because I was like, I'm not giving in, I'm not giving up. And it was, I put up with any level of humiliation and embarrassment. And I, the only thing I wasn't prepared to do for money was to have sex or steal. And I was like, I'll pretty much do anything else. But, pretty much anything else. So, be, But I had done a lot of work on TV and people were like, okay, come and do this show. And I'd be like, yes. They're like, do you want to know? I'm like, I don't care what it's about. I'll be there. Um, and so I would get, you know, I measured it in how many terms of school fees per child that I would get when someone asked me to do stuff. That was, yeah. So that became your new currency. It did. It became my new currency. I flew in. I, I was a corporate strategist, like corporate negotiator. So they would fly me in when there were problems. And I would charge per day. And so if I was there for one day, I charged a lot. And if I, ha- if I couldn't fix it, I charged less and less and less and less. So I got less of a fee the longer I was stuck somewhere. So I, you better believe that if you get stuck, I'm the person you should call. I can negotiate anything, anywhere, anyhow. Yeah any time because that's how I made my money for two and a half years and then I made enough money to rent a house I just had a roof over my head and I had to stay next to kids school so it was so expensive because I live in Chelsea so that wasn't also intelligent yeah. but you know there we are um and then I thought I'm not really I keep leaving and I keep leaving the sick child and the kids would I mean my, my daughter said to me the other day she said yeah I used to sit at the window and cry watching you leave and I'm like oh god god oh just stab me why don't you yeah and here's the knife (sighs) and I was like yeah and then I thought I have to build something locally so that's how Nosh Detox came about I built a health and wellness business because all I knew was making my son well so I built that I wondered when you said about your son and his expert I thought so that's why Nosh came to be because we were the first company that delivered dairy gluten egg and nut-free food and we delivered it to your home five meals a day, the old kind of way that you got, you know, detox programs. And so that's how that started. So, yeah, hop, skip and a jump there. But that's where it came from. And then I built Nosh over the next sort of 13, 14 years. Yeah, Nosh was very good to me. It paid all my school fees, paid my bills, and I had some investors mm-hmm. in it. And it was, you know, but I own the, the majority of the business. And we... I won five Entrepreneur of the Year awards building Nosh. We were the fastest growing business three, four, five years in a row for that. So it's a huge thing that I had to learn off on the hoof, not knowing how to do any of it. And I had to learn it. And it was, you know, I'm very grateful to entrepreneurship. Honestly, it's building a business, becoming a CEO is the most, is the best personal development choice you can ever make as a human. Absolutely. I, I could not agree with you more. And I also think, you know, you it's funny because you say, you said just now, I honestly don't know how I did it. I think I must be just bloody minded because I just didn't stop. That's you too, isn't it? That's all of us. <laughs> oh, it's absolutely, absolutely me too. But I also think it's most entrepreneurs. And I think if you are not bloody minded and if you don't have the ability if you don't have the grit to keep going, entrepreneurship probably isn't a great choice for you. No, uh, well, and if you're not willing to develop it. Yeah, exactly. And I think to your point that entrepreneurship is the best personal development program you'll ever put yourself on because you absolutely come out the other end of the first year or two of having your own business transformed, right? You're a different person. Oh, 100%, 100%. You know, and that's one of the reasons that I work, for example, like I work with, I chair the Microloan Foundation. It's a charity that helps yes. women, some of the poorest women in the world, 
you know, we help them to set up businesses. And the reason I do that is because that's what it did for me. Setting up a business gave me freedom. It gave me self-respect, self-love, self-compassion, you know, all those things. It came from setting up my business. So I'm a big fan. I think everybody should be forced to set up and run a business for two years, like conscription, because it would make them into totally different people. Oh, my God. That would be brilliant. It's like every single woman, I don't really care so much about men, but every single woman when they reach a certain age need to be conscripted into entrepreneurship because it will transform 100%. Them. I mean, I think that when you leave school or you leave uni or whatever, what you have to do is set, well, probably when you leave school, but you should be forced to set up a business that you have to then run for the next two years. We give you the seed funding of whatever it is, you know, like a thousand yeah. pounds. And if you have to work as well, you work as well because it could teach you how to make sales faster you know I'm, I had I had no no parachute I just had to learn how to sell the crap out of everything otherwise I wouldn't make money just going back to when you were negotiating I love the business model that you like imposed on yourself by saying right if, if I'm there for one day it's gonna cost this but then I'm gonna deliberately see to it that I earn less the longer it takes me because you're damn right you're gonna get the results right quickly. but it wasn't even that it was because I wanted them to under I was charging an enormous amount per day but I also wanted them I, I was trying to be a bit manipulative I was looking for them to be happy that I flew back to the kids earlier that's what I wanted yes absolutely I just love everything about that model it's genius <laughs> it's good it's good yeah if you're listening to this and that could apply to the way that you uh <laughs> work with your clients think on that one because I, I like yeah, that exactly. <laughs> so now how active are you still within NOSH um not so much actually because we we hit a really big whoop from this massive business, we had a huge war at the beginning of the pandemic. And so we've had to rethink what we're doing. And then what grew was, and then the food prices went up and then we left Europe and it all kind of was painful. Brexit has hurt us enormous amount. The coaching business grew very fast instead over the pandemic. And that was wonderful because I'd been coaching women for years, but I hadn't really done it as my sole job because um, I was CEO of Nosh yeah. as my sole job. And then that became what I've been growing forever. And so the last four or five years was was coaching really taking over, which I was like, oh, my God, I was born mm. to do this. I adore, and as I'm sure you I do. I can imagine. Yeah, and I, I coach interesting people, and so it's such an intellectual stimulant. And you, you're a coach. I mean, it's you've got to kind of love it. And when you love it, you just think, oh, my God, imagine waking up every day and getting paid to do this, right? I swear, sometimes I still have to pinch myself. I cannot believe I get paid to have interesting conversations with incredible women. A lot of the clients I have are, a lot of them are like globally famous women um, and some men, yeah. and <clears throat> they have really different problems. And what's ironic is that you have some very specific problems you have to deal with there, but you also, it's surprising how similar to everyone else they actually are in feeling worried about, mm. you know, their their bodies or their the way they're going to look or when they go on a date, you know. Um, and it's a really, yeah. it's just honestly an utter privilege. I can't say how much more I love it. You talked um, briefly there about microloan as well, because that's one of the ways that we came to meet each other because we met through the women's chapter, didn't we? We did, yeah. And then you told me about microloan as well. And I just wanted to say, I'm going to pop a link in the show notes because it is a fantastic organisation. It's well worth checking out. I think your involvement with that is so generous. And I know it's not the only um, charity that you support as well. So one of the things about being so poor and I think until you are actually 
really direly poor, you don't understand it, was that I, I made a commitment to always give back. So I give up to a third of my time free and, and you know, and, and I give it to three separate charities. And then the rest of the time I charge the hell out mm. of everything because <laughs> that's my theory. But so, yeah, um, I'm chair of Montessori Global and uh, Microloan. And then I'm on the uh, Sarah's Trust, which is the Duchess of York's charity, which does a lot of work for every, I mean, but, mm. but she's really the shining light in there. So I do very little except hand to hold but I but she she does most the other two charities are where I'm most active you've been telling me a little bit before we kind of hit record but of this new uh venture that you are stepping into now and I feel I feel a little bit excited because I feel like I'm kind of talking to you in the quite early stages of this. So it feel it feels quite privileged really to be getting some some kind of inside track from you on this. Can you share um a little bit with us about this new I think we should start this by saying that I don't know that that honestly traumatized it terrifies me. I'm doing it, I'm committed to it, but I want <laughs> I, it's it's a good time to have a conversation. I was saying this before we came in, where that it's yeah. so important to understand that everybody's terrified when they do something new, that everybody thinks, oh, my God, will I ever survive this? And can I do this? And who do you think you are? And you don't need anyone to put you down. You're doing it to yourself, you know. Gita, can I just thank you for that quickly? Because I feel like people are going to be listening to this or watching this and thinking, but it's it's Gita Sidorob. She clearly has her shit together she she knows what who she is she's done this she's done that she's done the other and I feel like you're the generosity of spirit to be so vulnerable and to say you know I'm terrified I I'm actually feel slightly petrified about this and to share that in this moment is really generous so I just want to thank you for that and applaud you for that Yes, and that's why I'm open about it, because I do know that I, yeah. I don't look like I've ever been homeless. I don't look like I was ever in domestic violence or in a marriage, and I don't look like right. I get terrified. So I'm very open about that all the time, because we often as women think we're the only person that this is happening to. And I want us to, I want you, whoever's listening, never to think that, because I promise mm. you that mm. it's probably happened to me or I've done something stupid to, to you know, wherever. But so I, <clears throat> towards the end of left, there was a, there was a, a story that I was watching um, of a, uh, in Britain, of a man who ran a private equity firm. And they had this particular story that stuck in my mind. And I don't know if it's 100% accurate, but this is what happened, is that he would sexually assault the women in the lower rungs of the business. And it took such a long time for these women to bring him to court because he made so much money and he was so well connected. No one would believe them. So they had this thing that when he was coming down the stairs, they would ring down to the receptionist downstairs and say, he's on his way. So she had enough time to go and hide in the supply closet or in the blues and lock the door. And I was like, what do you mean? How can you live and come to work every day in a place where you're just dodging sexual assault? Not will it, won't it, but how utterly horrific. And I, th- there is a big part of me that just really struggles with this level of injustice. I don't like injustice on any level. Yes. But injustice for weakness, um, to me, the unfairness right. of that gives me kind of headache. And I remember looking at this thinking, this is really unacceptable. And a lot of last year was spent with this idea kind of percolating in the back of my head. And then when I looked at all the wars that were happening, and I was like, you know what? Because it, it took Angelina Jolie 
ages to make rape a war crime because it wasn't a rape crime till sort of whatever seven years ago, which is outrageous because it was a tool of war. I mean, it, it beggars belief, right? Right, and it's a, it's an accept no, and it's an accepted tool of war. So why was it not a war crime? You know, uh, because and then you looked around and I, I looked at all these women and children being absolutely destroyed. So part of Montessori gave me access to some numbers. So two years ago, in January, there were 24 million child refugees. Last year, January, there were about 34 million child refugees before before Ukraine, before Yemen, before Syria, before Gaza. And the thing with this is that we tend to hurt and 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 move around women and children's lives like little chessboards with absolutely yeah. no relevance whatsoever because you don't matter because you haven't got any place to show that you do matter, you know? And it's been a whole decade of finding ways to find your voice, like Black Lives Matter came up and all this stuff came, you know? And, and I looked at this and I thought, right, what can I do to make sure women's voices are counted? And so I have created two... Two step, a two-step organization. <laughs> this is so terrifying even saying this. And so the first one is a thing called WCOR. And the goal behind WCOR is to create a global standard for creating a safe, supportive, and successful workplace for women. That's the job of WCOR. What does that mean? It means that organizations that sign up to become WCOR chartered and then certified are organizations that have agreed to the standard that was taken from Forbes and their, their massive study to 75,000 women and how to create female-friendly workplaces. Um, and what we do is we want you to adhere to these 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 principles and guidelines. Well, they're not guidelines. They're really, right. you know, st- policies we want you to take in, uh, and, re- and change your organization with. And once you agree to these, mm. and we then will give you WCOR certification, what is going to happen off the back of that is any woman is going to be able to go in there and say, okay, this is a place that will understand what a period holiday is, will understand why I need flexible working, will understand the things that I need as a woman in order for me to function and be deeply successful at work. Because at the moment, what we do is we have organisations that are centred towards men and women fit in with them. So if you say, like, there was a case that went to court two weeks ago in England, where a woman was one of the highest performers in her business and she wanted flexible working as standard. She wanted to be able to work from home, actually, not even flexible working. And her organisation said, no, we know you're a great performer, but no. So she went to the employment tribunal and she said, I want flexible working. I want to be able to work from home. And I've done a lot of work on TV on this as well because I I, I talk about this all the time. And she Mm. said um, that the, the judge ruled that she was not entitled to work from home because she would miss part of the workday. I think he said something stupid about the water cooler conversation stuff. And and it didn't matter that she was so top of, do you know? And I'm like, I don't want to talk to anyone at the water cooler. What I want you to understand is that I personally am a single parent to three children and three cats, just saying, and my 90-year-old mother. And, you know, I have to deal with so much crap daily and all women have to do this you know so I have half my whatsapp is personal stuff the other half my whatsapp is work stuff and then the spare I don't have time for is then going to be everything else that I've got to deal with so Mm -hmm. um this isn't it isn't a luxury where we're quite here 
It's not something that we need because, you know, it's cute. It's, it's actually needs to be understood today that there is an absolute necessity for the way in which women work to be recognized in workplaces as standard. And so the goal behind WCOR is to do that. And, and I think that what you just said is so true. We are not asking anyone for favours. No, this that's is not, the word. This is not someone doing us a favour by accommodating us. That's not what this is about, right? And I think you're so right. This is about a new way, a new workplace culture where women are as important as men and systems are no longer acceptable if they have only working for the men which is how they currently work and I mean I do, I, I absolve yeah, men of absolutely. trying to hurt women I don't think they're trying to do that I don't think in any way it's set up as a negative it just is standard and if you think that workplaces are standard for men it's because men set them up so they would set them up like that what we have to do is understand several things firstly we have to understand that There is no point pitching for women in leadership and women on boards and women CEOs, because what you need to do is have the people come in from through the funnel so that they're available to be looked at for CEOs and, 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 you know, positions in leadership. The other thing with this is that actually companies that have many women in senior management actually outperform companies without them in profit and ROI. The other third thing you want to look at is all this investment we put into women. When you're investing in these women and they leave because they suddenly can't cope because they've got to manage their home lives and their whatever, because it tends to be our responsibility overwhelmingly, you're wasting so much money in the investment you've put in this woman and then having to replace this woman, you know? And it's it's just, there's there's like only about six it's just there's about six countries that actually take this into account, do it well, and we're really not one of them, frankly speaking. So what I want to do is create this as an international standard. Who do you think does it the best? Probably, I think, some of the Nordic countries do it really well. But it's weird, like even Japan has period leave. Do they? Yeah, whereas my daughter um, was having a really bad cramps and had to lie to her boss and say, you know, I, I'm actually, I, I'm really ill. And she's not ill. She's having a bad period day. And it turns out that when you give women, you need to give seven to eight period days in a year. So it's not, you know, overwhelming. But generally speaking, women tend to use between four and five of those days only, which is insane, you know. So now we have to use it as a holiday, which is a way of, of, of actually, we're already earning less. Why do I now have to give my money up for something that is not unnormal? It's absolutely standard. And the same, I mean, from my perspective, this doesn't affect me now because I'm an entrepreneur. So I, I'm in the wonderful position of being able to set my own rules. But that's why you're an entrepreneur, babe. Absolutely. But I cannot imagine being back working in commercial insurance, which is what I spent over 25 years doing. Now I'm perimenopausal and hopefully almost menopausal. I cannot even imagine because I've had the luxury luxury I'm, I even view it as a luxury it's not a luxury to be able to adapt my working life to sort to be able to live in a fulfilled happy way even through the menopause that's not a luxury for me every woman goes through it but but it it would have been almost impossible I think for me no I think so if I were still in corporate I really do I had to leave my job 
600 years ago because my son was somebody that was regularly ill and I just couldn't go to work if I had to look after him. And at some stage I was like, all right, I'm just going to have to actually work for myself. I don't know how you do that, but I'm going to do it. And that's where that came from. So I think that as a, as a world, as a global community of workplaces and people that go to workplaces, hire people, work in, in, in these organizations, we need to clearly understand, firstly, it doesn't exist at all at the moment. Secondly, we are here to help you work out how to make that work because we have created a framework that you can actually adapt and adopt in order to make your organization function better. Don't do the thinking, we'll do it for you. We'll tell you what to do. I'm so excited about this because you're not just saying this is a movement and we want you all to rise up and, and agree with us. That doesn't actually change anything. You're not just asking people to agree with you. You're saying that this is the way things need to be now. And if you need help facilitating that and making that happen, we're going to help you with that too. 100%. And we'll show you what you need to do, how you, yeah, how you need to do it, what you need to do. We have accredited trainers and we'll add more of them along, you know. And so that's our goal. Yeah. The second process of this is that I want to get women to, because I coach women, I market to women. I coach men as well, but I really market to women. The second part of yeah, it is fine. actually the women. So we've got WCOR is the B2B part. And then WCOM is the women part. And so the women come and join this community. And in this community, what we will do is empower the crap out of you by creating a coaching environment globally for you to have it's a platform of platforms. So any woman around the world can join. We are setting it at a really low entry point. So if you're from a developing nation, it's $1 a month to join. If you're from a non-developing developing nation, it's an entire, I think it's $5 um, to join. So anyone can join. And there's a huge section on health that's 100% free because for all women, actually, our mind-body connection is the most important thing. I've done this for 15 years, and that's the one thing I want to give free. Yeah. So it's the 15 years of my experience as being a leading health expert all put in to this space for, for you know minimal amounts of money. And then going from there, we're going to put in masterminds to help women to, to, to be coached. So we've got a 10,000 a year mastermind that if you want to grow and scale your business... And so if you're running your business anywhere in the world, you can join this mastermind for $10,000. And then there's another version at $18 a month. So that if you're setting up and growing a business somewhere where that's, you know, and that to a lot of the world, that's a lot of money, then you come in at the $18 uh, a month. And hopefully eventually we'll get sponsorship right. for some of these so women can join. It's been a, a hot minute I started this. And I went on a visit to Kenya Last week, and I was going for my friend's birthday, my best friend's birthday, and I ended up talking to a community with 27,000 women, and she said, absolutely fabulous. So she sent it out to 700 of the, the first 700, to, and she's paying for them to join because it's $12 a year for her. And then the other $27,000 in, in uh, 27,000 women in eight different countries are getting an email over the next two weeks to invite them onto the community. And I thought, shit, I better get that community finished. <laughs> Isn't it just amazing how this kind of thing happens when you are doing something that's so freaking aligned with what you believe in? Opportunities will present themselves. And this is what's happening to you right now. It's, it's literally like you could not have been in a better room, right? 
No, and then the next woman that I said to her, I'm so sorry, could we talk next week? She has 1.2 million in her audience. And I want to bath, honestly. I really do, because the whole thing just <laughs> just terrifies me. <laughs> and I have these conversations, and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. Um, you know, and then the website went up yesterday, and I was like, damn, there's a whole page missing from it. And so I was typing that before I came on to talk to you. Do you know, I wasn't expecting it, I have to say. I have been setting right, it all up right. and I had spent, and then, then Netflix, reg, I spent a lot of time on TV and that's how I made money. So that's why I did it. But Netflix will send me a message every three, four months going, do you want to join this filming or something? I, that sounds really stupid, but they do. And I'm, and I was like, no, that's a really terrible idea. I don't want to do that. And then I thought, while I was having that conversation, one of my friends said, you should have somebody film this, like a growing, what to tell right. I was just thinking, oh, oh my god! And I'm like, oh God, I'd really rather not. And then she said, well, and she reached out to these people and they wrote back going, we would love to film this. Oh my God. Can you put a, a little treatment together on what's going on? I'm like, no, I really haven't got time to. <laughs> I just don't know. I hope if you're listening that you can see how petrifying it honestly is so scary. And I feel like I should get to the really joyful part of it. I mean, there's a part of me that's 100% joyful. We need to do it. It's the right thing. It's the right time. Here yeah. we all are. But this is the reality. This is the reality of bringing to life the full fat version of what you're, what matters to you, right? This is how it is. And how frightening is success? This is how it is. It isn't a case of being joyful about having decided what you want and then effortlessly gliding Ugh. through all of the steps to bring that to life. <laughs> uh, it's bloody terrifying. It is. And the worst but thing bloody is... bloody brilliant at the same time. Well, the really great thing, great thing about it is that you look at it and you think, why the hell didn't this exist before? Right? That's the thing that gets to me. Which I think is when you know you're onto something. Why the hell didn't this exist before? Yeah. And you know what? That's that I said to you before, didn't I? That is the feeling I get when you talk about this. It's like, well, obviously, obviously this needs to be. And I think, you know, that that's how everyone is going <laughs> to receive this. So I'm so excited. I'm calling about this. on all women businesses because I don't want any big organizations yet. I'm talking to a lot of the ones that I coach with right. and I'm like, please don't. Honestly, yep. people are, you know, I've, people are like, I turn over X 24 billion, 27. Can we? And I'm like, no, please don't. I'm looking for small businesses because I want my goal is 10,000 businesses by the end of this year in W Corp where they're businesses that are right. already female friendly that already will know what it means look people like you people like me I want those are the women I'm really looking for it's it's 500 pounds to go through it and become certified so it's not earth shattering I don't want it to you know this is more than paying for the certification this is making a stand for something and I think come and change the world with you know me. that 500 pounds represents so much more than you as a business owner and your business it's it represents raising your hand for something that's thank that's, you how exactly and that's what I want I would like they don't have to be women's businesses they can be men's businesses what I want you to do is just come on and be the first wave you know that's what I'm asking for I'm asking for women to come in who already know what this is like who already are feeling this need and come in and be the first wave because if you can come in and be the first wave that 
that kind of movement steps me into the next wave and the next wave. And then in WCOM, what's so interesting is I wanted to create chapters around countries. So I've kind of got WCOM America, I've got WCOM India, WCOM Kenya. And then I got to a place where the lady in, in WCOM Kenya said, I've got this entire business building course that these Harvard professors built and I've spent a huge amount of money making it onto an online course. And I was like, oh, mm. you do? Can I use that to teach the women in India how to build a business? And she said, yes, you can. And I was like, well, huh? fine, then I guess we'll do that. You know, and you're like, oh, my God, imagine a woman in Kenya teaching a woman in India how to run a business. That's absolutely what we should be doing. And then I want a woman in Thailand yes, yes. to teach a woman in, 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 I don't know, Brazil, what you do after you have a baby. Because, you know, the type, yes. you know, the way they do, you know, bind the stomachs and do all that great stuff after you've had a baby is so great. Let's take some of that knowledge and give it to you in Nebraska or wherever, you know, that's what we should be as women doing. This is incredible. First of all, I feel like there's something coming up for me around making the world feel smaller and more intimate and more connected. And God, I... I feel like I could cry a little bit in the corner. Well, I mean, the, the funniest <laughs> thing is I, I was sitting, luckily I was sitting there with my best friend because I was gobsmacked at the results. You know, we've had the Canadian government reach out. I, I just gobsmacked. And so she sort of put a bottle yeah. of vodka in front of me and went and said, babe, I think you'd better prepare for success. And I was like, oh, is that what this is? <laughs> I was like, oh, lordy me. I love that. Babe, it's time. <laughs> yeah, I was like, and you know, you do kind of wake up and think, who the hell do you think you are that wants to create a global movement? I was like, well, what the hell? Why not me, I guess? You know, I guess. So again, thank you for that, because people listening are going to be like, yeah, but of course you're doing this because you, you know, you have already grew a successful company and you already have done this and that and you've been on TV and all of those things. And yet you are still having those same thoughts of who am I to do this? Oh, no, daily. So that's so validating for everyone. I promise. It's normal to think like that. Oh my you God. You don't have to let it stop. No, no. But Jill, I tell you, every time before I say what I want to do, I'm waiting for someone to go, oh, do you really think you're the right person? And I'm like, <laughs> you know, there's a part of me. Then ah. there's people saying to me, oh, well, you better hurry up because like somebody will take it away from you. I'm like, yeah, right. There's like a fucking queue of people waiting to feel, I'll go build a global business so people right. can attack me. I don't bloody think so. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> so it's 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 really, oh. yeah, it's real, should we say. So where can people find out a bit more? What's the website? So we've got wcorporation.org. That's where we're telling you about it. And we're asking you to, to reach, give us your name if you're interested in being an organization that we can put through this process. Because honestly, I'm looking to get to 10,000 businesses by the end of this year. Heck, I think if we pay enough attention, we can do it in half a year. Um, and we, I, I just want women, I want women businesses anywhere in the world to come in. And if you're in the sort of like a developing country, which I really hate that phraseology, mm -hmm. but you know what I mean. Um, if you're in a developing yeah. country, we'll charge you 500 pounds or $650 to come through the process. So it's absolutely not meant to be in any way, you know, detrimental destructive amounts of money and then um if you're in the developing south it's between 180 dollars and 250 dollars depending on how much you're turning over to come in take the test with us we'll put you in and then what we will do for you 
is that we have a huge map on the site and we're going to put you from your country in that map and showcase you so that you have an international platform. And look at British businesses that used to have Europe, for example, and now don't. So we've just shrunk our market. Right. And my goal is to let me give you an international space that people can reach out to you and find you. And you are the first way. We will case study you, we will profile you, and we will absolutely bang your drum for you and sheer gratitude. And then if you are in a network and you want to join WCOM and you want to put WCOM available for your people, please tell, you know, reach out. WCOM's website is going to be live and it isn't live yet because it's just got 27,000 women in and it crashed. So it'll come back up. Um, <laughs> so you didn't see that coming, did you? <laughs> no, not really. No, no, couldn't tell you. So please, if you're if you're a business, reach out and please come on because like you're doing, you know, Jill's going to be one of our first businesses for which I'm deeply grateful. Thank you so much. Um, that's what we're looking for. The more women we get on, then every woman can bring in another woman. And we're putting together ambassadors from around the world who are women with platforms who can talk to other women. And we have had some amazing women already step forward. Uh, to be on that platform and I'm really grateful for that it's so amazing I feel so privileged to have had this conversation with you now because I have this sneaking suspicion it's going to be pretty tough to get on your calendar for the next <laughs> uh, infinity uh, so <laughs> I am so grateful oh thank you for having me to you for coming on and for sharing so openly with us because you are an inspiration and I think that I, I care about this. I really, really care about this. Gita, thank you so, so much. I'll be putting all of the links that we need in the show notes. Gita, thank you just so, so much. Thank you for having me. I'm so deeply grateful, Jill. You're welcome. Bye for now. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that getting our heads together this week has filled your mind with what's possible. If you love the show, would you do me a massive favour, please? Would you leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts? It would really help me put more heads together, reach more ears and expand more minds. Until next week, bye for now. Bye.